welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Raise your hands if you ever had a baby here. Gosh, lots of people. It's like revival, almost all women. And... um, Raise your hand if you found that raising a child in early years was an easy experience. (laughs) No, no hands. Um, Well, I'm thrilled uh, that Hannah is going to be speaking today because I I texted her yesterday, said, are you all right for the talk today? She said, I'm kind of nervous, kind of excited. I haven't done this for a while because she's been off having a baby, having little Thea, who's, uh, I just saw at the back there, striding around, well, not being strode around by her dad. And... um, uh, so uh, Hannah is in that stage of life. She's uh, tired all the time, right? Literally every second. Uh, she, 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 she's you know, dealing with all the pooey nappies and all that stuff. She's also studying for a master's uh, in, in theology. She's a brilliant uh, Bible teacher. I wish you could have seen her back in April speaking as like, one of the main speakers at Spring Harvest, this big Christian conference. Thousands of people there, and she just absolutely uh, nailed it. And we, we're just so thrilled to have Adam and Hannah and little baby Thea right at the heart of this church. So <clears throat> this is the penultimate talk in our series going through the book of Nehemiah. So let's, let's put our hands together, especially if you understand what it's like to be in that stage of life. Thank you so much, Pete. Can you believe little Thea is turning one this Wednesday? What, how? How has that happened? Um, And she is amazing and hilarious, and we haven't slept in a year. (laughs) I quite honestly don't remember what that's like, that thing called sleep. Um, But it is such a, a pleasure to be... Um, with you guys this morning and to be looking at this amazing book, Nehemiah. And if you've been tracking with this series so far, you will know that we've covered plan, pray, pioneer, persevere, and prosper. And in the story so far, we have seen Nehemiah. He's this righteous follower of God. He becomes heartbroken when he learns that the city of God, the walls of Jerusalem, are broken down. And Nehemiah responds with prayer and with action. He pours out his heart to God, and then he goes, he plans, he pioneers, and he fights to rebuild the broken walls and restore the city of God. And we've seen Nehemiah and his team of builders face incredible oppression, incredible obstacles, incredible persecution, and they've shown amazing courage in fighting and carrying on building the wall, literally sword in one hand, building with the other in order to see this vision come to pass. And so that's our story so far, and today we open up our Bibles at Nehemiah chapter 6, and If I'm honest, I have somehow totally snagged the best week of the series. Sorry to everyone else preaching this series. But this is the day, this is the moment when they finish the wall. This epic feat. Yes, thank you, Sammy. That is a woo moment. They build the wall. And so this is is the big moment when it's all finished and they've finally done it. And so today's P is prevail. They have the victory. 
And this is, you know, this is a truly remarkable key moment in our Judeo-Christian history. We've watched Nehemiah harbor a powerful vision, a dream for his city. We've watched him rally all the people together and see them pull together in unity to build together for this common purpose. And now we're about to see its fulfillment. So turn with me, would you, if you've got your Bible, to Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm a little nervous today, if I'm honest, of anyone reading the Bible on their phone, because I know there is a certain sports, cricket, match happening. So if anyone is following along with that, just kind of do so quietly <laughs> um, whilst we are studying the Word of God this morning. Um, so Nehemiah chapter 6, I'm watching. I can see you all and what you're reading on your phones. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, we're going to start. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid. They lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah, and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehoanan had married the daughter of Meshalim, son of Berechiah. Try saying all these names on no sleep, I ask you. <laughs> Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds, and then telling him what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. The wall is built. Nehemiah and his team of builders complete the wall in how many days? Did anyone clock that? 52 days. Now let me be entirely clear. Completing this work on that time scale was a miracle. Divine assistance was a verifiable fact. That's why it says in verse 16, when the nations around heard about this, they were greatly afraid. They lost all their self-confidence because they knew that God was on our side. This was a miracle. 52 days. See, Nehemiah, he had faith. He had a vision for his city. And in this chapter, we see the beautiful recipe for that vision coming to pass. The faith and prayers that instigated it. The men and women of God pulling together to fight and work for this vision. And then the miraculous intervention, which causes everyone around to tremble in their boots. 52 days. I want you to really think about that for a moment. This wall was 2.5 miles long. It was eight feet thick. It averaged a height of 39 feet. 
And they put this together in 52 days. Years later, in the 16th century, the Ottoman Empire rebuilt this same wall. Guess how long it took those guys? Four years. For the Israelites, this was a 52-day vision. For Nehemiah and his amateur team of builders, this was miraculous and victorious. But you know, if, if I'm being really honest with you guys here this morning, I think in some ways I find this chapter a little less comfortable than some of the other chapters in this book. Like I can find myself very at home in the adversity chapters Right? They're like, oh, it's a hard slog and all the oppression's coming and look at all the problems and we have to fight and toil. I can find myself a little bit more at home in the like having to persist, you know, grit my teeth and fight and work hard. It feels almost less familiar territory when suddenly Nehemiah's like, and then it is done. We did it. A few years ago, a number of us here were together in Madrid for our annual 24-7 prayer gathering. And we had an amazing guy called Alan Scott uh, sharing with us. And Alan Scott is a church leader. He led a church called Causeway Coast Vineyard in Ireland, God's own country. And they just have had the most amazing, miraculous outpouring of um, healings and salvations and just God on the move. They have this vision to rewrite the story of their city, and they have seen God do incredible things. And so we're all gathered in Madrid to hear Alan share these stories. He's blowing our minds, and the faith in the room is rising, and he's being translated into Spanish. And at one point, Alan says, and then 2,200 people came to faith. And the translator sort of stops and and laughs and is like, I'm so sorry. I thought you said 2,200. What what did you say? And Alan's like, 2,200. Because if we're honest, I think so many of us, we are actually that translator. Like, mass salvations don't happen. Like, if I'm really honest, I've believed the lie that this stuff just doesn't happen. If Pete had shared with you that 2,200 people got saved this week before I walked in, I'm not sure I would have believed it. I think I would have been like that translator, like, oh, I'm sorry, just, I didn't, I didn't quite hear. But this chapter reminds us that we serve the God of the 52 days. We don't stay in the toil and the oppression and the fighting and the sometimes God just shows up and the thing gets done. And so he's the God of 52 days. Divine assistance was a verifiable fact. And I just wonder, I wonder this morning, what is your vision for this city? What is the thing that you want to see God do here? What are the stories that you want to see transformed? What do you want to see written? What do you want to see changed? Because we are here. Because we as Emmaus Road inhabit this city. What do you want to see come to pass? What's your vision? What's your dream? And now let me ask you this. What if it's only 52 days away? What if that thing coming to pass was 52 days from now? Would that change how we go after these things? Would that change how we live? Would that change our faith? What if it's closer 
than we think. See, it's easy to feel like we always inhabit the adversity chapters, the challenging chapters, these dreams. They can feel like a million miles and a hundred insurmountable obstacles away. But when we find ourselves here in chapter six, we need to transition into the realm of faith. What if it's closer than we think? And let me be clear, it's 52 days of action Right? Because sometimes we just need to move from the dream to the doing. Maybe your dream is to see mass salvations. Maybe we want to see 2,200 people come to faith. But sometimes we need to move from that dream to just starting that one conversation or bringing that one person to Alpha. It's 52 days of building, of everyone pulling together and playing their part to get that wall up. Maybe healings are closer than we think, but we have to pray. We have to move into the action. Because what if Guilford being transformed is really closer than we think? What if we've bought the lie that it's impossible, that churches don't change cities? What if we've believed that? But somewhere deep in our hearts, I think the faith in us says, you know that word in the Bible that says, can a nation be changed in a day? Like, we serve this God, the God of the 52 days. What if for us, it's meant to be more like for the Israelites than the Ottomans, right? It's 52 days. See, truth be told, the more we convince ourselves of the overwhelming obstacles, the more permission we have not to step into the fulfillment, right? The obstacles, and there are so many, I'm sure, to all of our dreams, planning permission, councils, health and safety, like whatever the obstacles are, they can feel insurmountable, but the more we focus on those, the more we give ourselves permission not to step into fulfillment. So we serve the God of 52 days. And these people, Nehemiah and his team, they come together and they, they build this 2.5 mile evidence of the presence of God in their city so everyone can see it. For us in Emmaus, what is our 2.5 mile long evidence of divine intervention? What is it going to look like when God shows up to change our city? These weren't master builders. Adam reminded us of this in week three. They were like perfumers and priests and all sorts. It wasn't about what they knew. It was about who they knew was on their side. And I, I feel this morning like there might be someone or more than one of us here who maybe you feel this dream or this sense that God is calling you into something, but you feel totally inequipped for it. And I feel like maybe God this morning wants to say, just because you feel unequipped doesn't mean that you're not called to that thing because maybe he wants to do it as the 2.5 mile evidence of divine intervention, right? So that everyone can look and see that it was God when he does it through your life anyway. What's your dream for this place? What if eradicating the fact that 10% of children in Guildford are living below the poverty line was 52 days away? What if seeing healings every single Sunday here at the Yvonne Arnaud was 52 days away? 
would that change how we pray this morning? What if healings in your workplace were only 52 days away? Adam and I and Mike and Jazz and a few others, we pastor the evening congregation here in Guildford. And we know that every year, over 16,000 students from more than 130 different nations, most of whom don't know Jesus, arrive on our doorstep. These students flock to our city. And so we have a dream to see hundreds of them come to faith in Jesus. That's what we want to go after. That's our dream for this city. And if you were to tell me that student revival was 52 days away, like would that change how we go about this vision? Like, I think that it would. I think that we would, we would live differently in that reality. What if our faith needs that injection this morning? What if turning the tides of divorce rate and family breakdown in our city was only 52 days away? What if having a permanent base for social transformation here in Guildford was only 52 days away? Like, what if it's all closer than we think? In Matthew 3, verse 2, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, a better translation of the text there is actually, The kingdom of God is in your hand. It's so close that we can touch it. Not only can we touch it, we are holding it. Right? We are carrying it. We are bringing it to every space, every sphere that we walk into. The kingdom of God is at hand. What if it's closer than we think? The obstacles and the opposition are big and they're real. But what if the possibilities are more amazing than we can imagine? Nehemiah didn't train everyone up to become master builders, but everyone played their part. They found their role. What's your role this morning, I wonder, in the story of our city, in seeing this place become transformed? And you know, the truth is we are seeing this. Right here at Emmaus, we are seeing more miracles. We are seeing more salvations than ever before. The things we're praying for are moving beyond dreams into reality. Right across the country, atheism is on the decline. Talking about Jesus is getting easier. Pete shared on this last week. Listen to that online if you haven't heard it. God is really on the move. This stuff really is closer than we think. And if the dream is closer than we think, then we better be absolutely sure we know what to do when it gets here, right? What do we do when the dream is fulfilled? They completed the wall in 52 days. The dream comes true. Nehemiah stands back and surveys this incredible feat. And what is the first thing he does? I love this. Verse, chapter 7, verse 1. After the wall had been rebuilt, I set the doors in place. Gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. The gatekeepers to defend and watch over the city. The musicians to fill it with worship. And the Levites to fill it with prayer and the presence of God. The first thing that Nehemiah does is establish 24-7 prayer and worship in the heart of the city. And I love the intentionality and the immediacy of it too. He says, once I had set the doors in place, you can almost imagine him setting the door in place, stepping through it, and now what? Worship, prayer. Nehemiah shows us that this is the ultimate goal. 
the ultimate vision, the dream beyond all the other dreams that we're building for and working for. The presence of God is the ultimate destination for the people of God. Worship for worship's sake, because God is worthy. Prayer for prayer's sake, because Jesus is lovely. And you know, I wonder sometimes whether my prayer life it can be a little bit more like a means to an end than the end in itself. Or in other words, like if all my dreams were to suddenly come true today, would I have that much to pray about? Nehemiah shows us that this is in fact the destination. Prayer and worship is where we are heading for. There's this great line in the musical Hamilton. Has anyone seen Hamilton? I am so jealous of you all, each and every one of you. I had a ticket, and I couldn't go, and I've just regretted that moment for ever since. But Hamilton is this musical, which is, is all about the founding fathers in America. And the, they have been liberated from the British Empire, and they're kind of trying to figure out what their nation now looks like. And there's this great line where Hamilton asks the question, we've won the war, but what is it all for? And Nehemiah just answers this question so beautifully. The vision is complete, the wall is built, and it is all about the one who is worthy. Jonathan Edwards says, the mark of authentic spiritual experience is you become satisfied with God for who he is and not just the benefits he gives you. In your life and in all the things that you're running after, what happens when the doors go in, the wall is built, you step back and see the fulfillment of each vision, each dream you've had. What do you step into? Nehemiah reminds us that at the heart, at the center of our lives, is the call to constant prayer and worship. This, of course, is one of the visions that we're building towards here at Emmaus. We're going to build a permanent space of prayer and worship, a house of prayer and worship to the Lord. We are called to be a prayerful, worshiping people. That's why things like kingdom come and dwell and the prayer room are all so important. This is our ultimate calling, the vision above and beyond all the others. Because the truth is this, even if God didn't do anything else for me for the rest of my life, I have reason enough to worship him every second for the rest of my life. He is worthy. There are times for action and building and changing our city, but our ultimate goal, the place where we will end up, is worship. There are seasons to be movers and shakers, but we are always called to be the moved and the shaken. And so the question I want us to think about this morning is what do we do when the wall is built? Are our lives truly oriented towards seeking the presence of God and giving ourselves to him in worship? See, here's the thing. Whether I love him more by this time next year is actually entirely my choice. Right, it's easy to think it's some external thing, but it's an act of will. It's choosing to orient myself towards giving myself to worship that I might be a more worshipful, prayerful person by this time next year. And I think the way that we approach worship is a big part of this, right? 
Because worship is amazing and it can do incredible things for us, but we lose our focus if we start to think that it is about us. You know, sometimes you hear people say things like, I didn't really get anything out of that worship time. And I kind of want to say, that's all right because we weren't actually worshiping you. And I know that that sounds super sarcastic and rude, but, but that's it, isn't it? Like, yeah, worship is amazing, and it transforms us, and God meets with us, and it's wonderful. But at its heart, it is about him. It is about elevating him above all else. It is me bowing down and giving all that I have to tell him he is worthy. So do we approach it as entertainment or as encounter? Because entertainment is like, does this please me? Like, did I think Joel was hitting all the right notes? That's whether it pleases me or not. Like, do I like it better when Peter leads? Like, this is starting a rift between you guys, totally accidentally. But, but is, it, is it encounter or is it entertainment? This worship needs to be about elevating the one who is worthy. Graham Kendrick says this, worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you, but it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do when the wall is built changes everything about who we are and who we are becoming. Tim Keller says this, The difference between a limp-along life, a common just-get-along life, and a transformed life, a life just shot through with thanksgiving and joy, is not the difference between believing in God and not believing. It is worship. It's worship that does it. Worship is an act of ascribing ultimate value to God, seeing what he's worth, and then living in accordance with it in such a way that it transforms your whole life. We are the ones who believe in God, yes, but we are the ones who worship God. And that is what transforms our whole life. We are called to be a worshiping people, a people of the present, now and into eternity, right? This is our eschatology. The city of God is to be a place of worship. This is the ultimate need of our hearts. It is the destination, not a means to an end. Worship is our daily way of saying, you are God, and I am not. See, the kingdom is at hand. It's closer than we think. And when the wall is built and our vision comes to pass, the ultimate goal remains the same, worship and prayer. And so finally, I want to just ask you this question. What if it's not all about walls? (laughs) Because, of course, it's not all about walls. The walls are built, and then the city gets inhabited by the people. Nehemiah appoints the worship leaders and the priests to usher in the presence, and he appoints gatekeepers to watch over the city. One commentator says this, dead walls without living watchmen are a poor defense to a city. See, as we look at Guildford and we think about our visions and dreams for this city, it's so important to remember that it isn't going to be our buildings or our projects that's going to change this city. It's us, right? The breathing ones. It's not Alpha. It's you bringing your friend to Alpha. It's not the social transformation project. It's you showing up and playing your part in this vision. And Nehemiah elects his leadership 
And his criteria for that we see are twofold. A man of integrity and a man who fears God more than most. And you know, if I'm honest, I think this might be one of the major stumbling blocks in fighting for our dreams, our visions for our city, is being more afraid of man than God. Our fear of man takes over. Just a few days ago, I was in Starbucks in Guildford, and I was ordering a couple of frappuccinos, as one does on a hot summer's day, and I'd bought two, but they'd only charged me for one, so I said to the guy, I know I actually have to pay for two, and he was like, wow, that is so honest. I'm like, yeah. Yes, I am very honest. And so and he immediately goes, oh, you're definitely going to heaven. I'm going to, I'll see you there. And in that moment, I'm like, this, like, this actually is such an inroad. Like, this is a conversation that I could have. Like, this, this is our stuff, right? Heaven, like, we legitimately talk about and believe in this stuff. And it's such a moment. But if I'm totally honest with you guys right here this morning, like, I had the fear of man. I'm like, there's all these people in the queue behind me. They just want their frappuccino. Like, and I sort of like half did it, but didn't. You know, like if Mike Crown or Mike Strong was there, they would have just had the whole thing. Like the guy would be here with us now. And, but my fear of man, this is the thing, you guys, that is stopping me so much of the time. And we're totally out of time, so we're going to end here. But we really, this, this is how Nehemiah appoints his ultimate leader. He's more afraid of God the most. What if when we look out at our visions for the city and we see the obstacles, we see the very real challenges, what if it's not about trying to convince ourselves that the problems are smaller, the enemy is smaller? What if it's about reminding ourselves that God is bigger? And that's why it all comes back to worship. I'm going to pray for us. Is that all right, Pete? Um, And I'm just going to pray for three things this morning and if any of those things is something that that you want just like go for it just receive the prayer and the three areas are this the first is the 52 day thing what if it's closer than you think maybe God has given you this dream you know what it is that you've been uniquely placed in this city for but it's time to move into action you want to live like it's coming in 52 days you want to go and I'm going to pray for a, a faith injection for you the second is this that it's all about worship Maybe this morning you just want to come back to that place of orienting your life on the truth that God is worthy. And you want to come back to being a prayerful, worshipful person. And the third thing is this fear of God, fear of man thing. And if you want to just go after that, I'm going to pray for you. So let's bow our heads. King Jesus, we thank you that you are the God of miracles, that you are the God of 52 days. And God, we know that you have a vision to see this city transformed. We know that you can transform cities. We've seen it and we want to see it here. Lord Jesus, we want to see it here. We want to see Guildford transformed because we live here, because we inhabit this space. And so, King Jesus, I pray right now for each of us who have that dream, have that vision before our eyes. Would you give us that faith injection this morning? Would you give us the confidence to start to build, to move from dreaming into building towards those things? And God, I pray for those of us who have lost that sense of wonder and worship. 
that we just want to come back to you. We just want to fall on our knees today and say you are worthy. God, would you build us into a worshipping people? And finally, God, I want to pray for those of us who are just sick of bottling it and we want the confidence, we want the faith to share your name with everyone that we meet. We want to see people come to faith because we're no longer scared of the people around us. Would you just transform our hearts and give us courage and boldness, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.